0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Monday, January the 17th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life and God's goodness and God's grace. I hope you had a wonderful weekend, Uh, wherever again you are. I I hope it was filled with every good thing, and if you were able to go to Mass, if you were able to watch it virtually, whatever the case, uh, that wonderful gospel, right? Right? um that uh we just started of course yesterday's the um second week of ordinary time uh the second sunday of ordinary time and uh heard the gospel of Jesus's first miracle in John's gospel anyway the wedding feast at cana so good if you didn't get a chance to do it John chapter 2 head back there read it i mean goodness sakes we could talk about that for a long time but we're not going to because that's not today's gospel Today's gospel is Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. So pretty quick, kind of an odd one, all right? We also celebrate a feast day today, so I'll talk a little bit. I'll make kind of one point about the gospel, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about our feast, who is St. Anthony, but not of Padua, St. Anthony uh, the Abbot and the Desert Father, okay? So Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Let's break open God's word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected. Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? as long as they have the bridegroom with them they cannot fast but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast on that day no one sews a piece of unshrucking cloth on an old cloak if he does its fullness pulls away the new from the old and the tear gets worse likewise no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I think Jesus is, is amazing for many reasons, but one is he can really name uh, the, the realities and the truths of what we deal with in our human condition. And he's naming one here today as best I understand this gospel. So let's go through it and unpack it because again, it can be convoluted and odd. He uses, he uses odd imagery here. Um, and it, it may be, you know, as, as plain as the nose, well, goodness sakes, nose on my face is pretty plain, maybe pretty plain to, to some of you. Hasn't been in my life, so I, I don't want to presume that with, uh, with all, of, all of you. But here's what's happening. The disciples of John and uh, the disciples of the Pharisees were giving Jesus a hard time. They're saying, hey, listen, our disciples keep the traditions. They fast, but your disciples aren't keeping the tradition. They're not fasting. This doesn't make sense. What's going on? And Jesus is saying, but the bridegroom's here. This is not time for dour dour, uh, disposition. This is time for celebration. We're at a wedding feast here, brothers and sisters. And when the groom and when the bride are in our midst, we celebrate. We, We break open the wine as we did, right, in yesterday's gospel, 150 gallons of it. I mean, that is time for celebration that's what he's saying. So when he uses these kind of, again, odd examples, what he's doing is he's talking about tradition versus the present moment and the reality. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloak, the old cloak being tradition, and the present reality being the unshrunken cloth. Because if you put that unshrunken cloth, you sew it on there, and then you put it through the wash, obviously the unshrunken is going to shrink, and the two don't go together. They don't go together well at all. And uh, and it's going to cause a bigger tear. Then he uses a second example, similar but different. Uh, you don't pour new wine, the present reality. What's going on? My understanding of who God is uh, and, and, and God's, uh, you know, in this moment right here, the reality of God versus that tradition and when i say tradition i'm not talking capital t here brothers and sisters talking lowercase t uh with the tradition of of how we have seen god in the past or how we have approached god in these other ways and he says you know it's like putting this new wine this this understanding of god now today into these old ways of doing it and you do that and it's going to burst because they're not meant to do it. The new wine, of course, would ferment, would expand, would burst the old skins. That, that doesn't make sense. So he's saying, how do we deal with the new? The new versus the old. How do we deal with tradition? He's not saying we should throw the old cloak away. He's not saying we should throw the old wineskins away. But he's saying, how do we deal with the new? And are you able to do with that, deal with that? That's, that's what Jesus is is speaking to the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees. And so, brothers and sisters, I bring that same question to us. Here's what I think I know about human nature, and I think this is what Jesus is naming. We like stability and we like control. I think, now again, this is just my supposition. You can, you can say I'm wrong. I think one of the reasons we look fondly at the past is because the past has already happened. That's, that's my dog Dexter just showing off a little bit in the background. <laughs> but, but we look fondly at the past because the past has already happened and we know the outcome. We know what happened. We don't project ourselves back into that moment and feel much of the anxiety that we felt at that present moment because at that time, however it worked out one way or the other, we may have been anxious. We may have felt out of control. We didn't like it. But now, when we know the outcome, and we can look back on it six months later, six years later, whatever it is, and we can look back and say, ah, that was such a wonderful time. You know, even though it was a time of change and everything, and I learned so much, and it was great, you know? But when we were going through it, I mean, we were lurching from one near disaster to the next, and we could barely, you know, keep our head about us. And we didn't think it was great. And, uh, and, and what Jesus is doing is saying, listen. How do we open ourselves and walk uh, in trust and in faith right now in this moment knowing that God is with us and celebrate that, celebrate that reality and our understanding of God's presence even in this moment of change, even in this moment of turbulence, even in this moment of unknowing, right? Because isn't most of our life lived in the unknowing? And how do we open ourselves, brothers and sisters, to that presence of God? And let that be enough. And let that be enough, because that's what our gospel is inviting us to. I want to give a quote? Now, this quote is from Richard Rohr. Um, it, um, Renee, actually, just this morning, oddly enough, was reading this book. Uh, it's a book called *The Gifts of Imperfection* by Brené Brown. She couldn't speak highly enough of it. I haven't read the book yet, but Renee was just like, oh, fantastic book. So again, another book recommendation, The Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown. But Brene in this book quotes Richard Rohr, which <laughs> hey, you're gonna quote Richard to me? I'm I'm in. I'm all in. But but he's speaking about that same idea. Okay? And uh and and when I was looking at this gospel, this quote came to mind. So again, this is Richard Rohr quote, not Joe, not Brene. My scientist friends have come up with things like principles of uncertainty and dark holes. They're willing to live inside imagined hypotheses and theories. But many religious folks insist on answers that are always true. We love closure, resolution, and clarity while thinking that we are a people of faith. How strange that the very word faith has come to mean its exact opposite. Isn't that a good quote, brothers and sisters? I'd read it again, but you can just go back and and listen to it again. As, As people of faith, so many of us have, have stood. And and again, I don't think we're the first, because that's exactly what Jesus is talking to here. They're saying, hey, these are the old ways. They've always served us. We need to, to stand in those ways because that's who we are, and we don't separate and, and go off to the right or off to the left. It's straight line. Here's where we go. And, and all of us walk this way. And Jesus is saying, but what if we see God off to the right? Or what if we see God off to the left? How do we move forward in faith? In those places where the tradition, lowercase t, has not brought us before. How does something become new, a new tradition? By by virtue or or venturing, excuse me, out there in faith, trusting that that's where I've experienced God and I see God and I know God, and I want to bring that experience to all of you. And yes, it is a a period of uncertainty. And yes, it is a period of of, uh, anxiety but isn't that what faith is about? Brothers and sisters, if we are going to be women and men of faith, then let it be faith and not certainty because the two are different. Our certainty is in Jesus Christ. Our certainty is in the fact that that the Paschal Mystery, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has saved us because we are baptized into that very pattern. but our day-to-day certainty in how that is lived out in our life, brothers and sisters, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring for me or for my loved ones. But do you know what I know, what what I'm certain of? That Jesus Christ is, is with me in the midst of it. And that's all we need to know. That's the new wineskin. That's how we can celebrate. The presence of the bridegroom is with us anything else brothers and sisters and we're leaning on something way too small we're leaning on on other people uh to to help us feel better or we're leaning on uh, just the fact that i can feel in control when i'm not the only thing we need be certain of the only thing we can be certain of is that jesus christ is immersed and walks with us on this journey and brothers and sisters Everything else does not matter. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The way is not, hey, make sure you do this, A, B, and C, okay? Or or go over here and do what they've always done over here. He says, the way is me. The way is me. Last thing I'll say about this is I'm going to quote uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, who's always a good quote, by the way. I've quoted this before, but I love it. Because I think, again, brothers and sisters, we, this is the human condition, we don't gravitate toward change. We don't like it because it feels uncertain and we feel unsteady and not grounded and we feel anxious and insecure, out of control. And it's exactly in those moments that we need to to stand on the rock, right? That's the only thing that is secure. And what what, uh, Cardinal Newman says is this. To live is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. To live is to change. That's simply the human reality. We know that. I hope we're not the same today as we were a year ago or four years ago or whatever. To live is to change. That's the reality. But to be perfect is to have changed often. Why? Because we need to go to the only one who is not change the only one who stands with us in the midst of change because we grasp onto him. That's the deal. We celebrate uh, St. Anthony. Uh, again, not St. Anthony of Padua, St. Anthony, uh, Desert Father. Uh, and uh, what happened, simply I'll say this, he lived in the 3rd century, about the middle of the 3rd century, was born, and similar to what Francis, St. Francis would do 1,000 years later, is he took Mark's gospel, when Mark says, go sell what you have and give it to the poor, he took that literally, and he sold everything he had. And he went out and lived in the desert because he thought and felt and experienced that all the the communities and, and the, the towns and, and things were just uh, falling victim to uh, sin, to, to excess, to... To, to lack of godliness, essentially. And he went out and lived a solitary life. And uh, did that about the age of 20. About 30-ish, I mean, obviously, he's, he spends life in prayer, is what he's doing. And his reputation grew. And so people would go out to him. And what he did around, oh, in his 50s or 60s, he created a community out there in the desert. The Desert Mothers and Fathers, we call them. And they each had their own cell. Wasn't like one big monastery that he created. Benedict would do that centuries later. Um, but no, he had they had individual little hovels. I mean, they were not. I mean, they were, they were, pretty. Um, let's just say low key and, and and nothing posh. But they each had their individual cells, uh, individual hovels that they lived out in the desert, and then they would pray together. And and essentially. What Anthony would did and would come to is seeing God in creation, like Francis did, and, and understanding who God was in the midst of that. Now, eventually, that would take him within those cities that he, he departed earlier uh, in order to work on behalf of the poor and those who were imprisoned. And he did that actively, but he would always retreat to that place of refuge, that place of prayer, that place of knowing God in creation. I think that's worth us, it for us to say, where's that place of refuge for us? In the middle of, of you know, uh, a world that is just moves fast and ever faster, where's that place of refuge? And are we able to see God not just in Scripture, not just at Mass, not just within the church, but within God's creation? Because that, as some would say, is God's first revelation, even before the Christ would come even before scripture would be written, that God reveals God's self within creation. are we able to take notice of that as Anthony did? So let's bring all this to prayer, brothers and sisters, shall we? And so we begin the uh, joyful mysteries today. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Anthony, pray for us. My friends, I wish you a wonderful Monday and a wonderful week ahead. Let's get together this week and break open more of God's word together. God's peace.